I'd like to tell you a story. It's a story you're all familiar with. It's a story you've heard a thousand times. It's generally the same story every time that you hear it. However, we're going to put a different spin on it. We're going to tell it in a slightly different way. In the same way, but we're going to do some opening up. We're going to open it up a little bit. Put a slightly different slant on it. A different perspective. And that different perspective may very well change how we see ourselves today and how we perceive of all the things that make us what we are because this is a story about us it's a story about humanity it's a story about how how all of this came to be and why and that's always the question is why of course but let's get to the how first so this is a story that is the oldest story that we know of so maybe the most retold story probably of all time um, and the story starts like this in the beginning there was nothing so this is a story that predates time and things that predates phenomena or at least it has its roots predating phenomena. And from nothing, there was something. Most interpretations say there was light. It starts out with with God. God isn't really defined. God isn't really spoken about. It's just said that there's God. And then, and there wasn't really actually anything, you know? And we need to, you know, go back and, and look exactly at how this is phrased. But basically you have God, and then God has an idea. God whatever that is, says, you know what, we, or I, am going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to make something, and it creates light. There was nothing, there was darkness, and then, then light. And then that light begins to, to change and to manifest and to form. And it becomes different things. It becomes phenomena itself. It becomes you know, the heavens and the earth, right? It separates itself. So first you have God then, and nothing. Then you have God and a singular light 
kind of thing, phenomena, this singular being, this entity of, of light. And then that light divides itself. It becomes more than just that singular thing. Um, and then that those things continue to further and further divide and multiply and uh, again it becomes the heavens and the earth and there's this, this distinguishment between the two and then that goes on to become earth which is the literal bedrock for and the, the setting for our story it gets a little bit more particular we start out with all the stuff this huge cosmic happening and then you know it's sort of a once upon a time and a great giant forest and then you know it goes to the smallest tiniest little little hole <laughs> uh, in the, the tiny little pocket and uh, you know in planet earth here it uh, it says that you know God then created all varieties of things here animals plants water and then he decides to make a being that exists in its own image to make a being that can enjoy this that this is all really for and that being, of course, is human being. We should maybe look at uh, where the word human comes from. Um, but a being that is in God's image. It says that right up front. Let's check, but I think it does say that right up front. And the place that God has for its protege, its protegeical being here of humanity is the Garden of Eden as we've become to, come to know it. And in the Garden of Eden, everything is at peace with everything else. Right? The lions literally lay down with the lamb. There is no want for anything. Everything is in this perfect, harmonious order. Um, and 
I, I believe that human beings give names to things. Um, you know, first there's there's Adam, and then from the rib, Adam is you know there there's a partner for Adam because everything has to have balance. And uh, this partnership um, and this this alignment happens uh, amongst human beings and again I think they start to name things and and they're happy right they're content they're again they want for nothing there's no sickness uh, no hardship there's not even death there's no death again we, we're gonna need to cite all this and look at it Maybe what's even more amazing than that is that humanity, human beings, Adam and Eve, have this direct line to God itself, to the Old Testament, the scriptural, biblical God. And uh, they have direct communication with it. Um, God has uh, spoken directly to Adam and Eve and you know he says again there's one law here there's one rule only one rule and what's the rule there's this tree in the middle of the garden and uh, not a big deal but you can't eat from it And, uh, you know, I, I don't believe there's any reason given as to why you can't eat. It's just, just one rule, one rule only. Can't eat, can't eat from the tree. Of course, as we all know, uh, a serpent comes along and tempts Eve into eating it. The serpent, you know, so interpreted as uh, you know, the devil, Beelzebub, de uh, Satan, whatever you might call it. And uh, Eve then tricks Adam into eating it as well. God, who was walking through the garden, I believe, finds out about this and confronts Adam and Eve and asks, did, did, did you do this? And, oh, no, what happens first, what happens first is uh, Adam and Eve, something changes within them. They immediately become aware that they are naked, right? And they're ashamed. They have this newfound thing, you know, of shame. They go and clothe themselves, and and uh, you know, then God approaches them and asks them, 
if they've eaten from it. And uh, of course, they find out that they have, and what happens? They're, they're banished from the garden. Um, and you know they're first forced to to work the land for for their food, where before it was just it was just there. Um, labor pains, you know, to bringing rearing children will will be painful now, you know, for them. Um, And a variety of other punishments, but uh, among which is, is ultimately death. This is the story that we know. And humanity is fallen then. Right? It's original sin. It's the, the disobedience of God. Um, the first betrayal. And there is a lot written about this. There's a lot said about this. There's a lot of, of talk about this. But again, we're going to present this in a very different way. And we will show that this story, whether it happened in reality or is just a fictional fable, allegorical tale, has a drastic and profound consequence on who we are today and why we are the way that we are. So, we need to see that it's quite possible uh, that this story is, in fact, an allegory. Now, to me, I know some people get very, very upset about this, but to me, whether it happened on a timeline, you know, on this planet, many thousands of years ago, or longer, or shorter, depending on your interpretations, whether it happened in actuality or not, is beside the point. Because the power of it is in the story itself. I've argued the same thing uh, for the Christ figure and Buddha. Um, it's not the reality of it that, that... Now, this is personally my opinion for, for me. And I don't give opinions very often. Uh, but this is one of them. Is that uh, I would argue that uh, it is much more powerful... Or is just as powerful, I should say. Possibly even more so as a metaphor. Um, but what if the story is true? <laughs> what does it really give us? 
Uh, because there is, there, regardless of whether it, ha- it was an actual happening, there is some truth to the story, right? We look at ourselves as human beings today, and there is something that is out of sync. There is something that is out of line. We are not quite with the way of things. And I, I think we can all, to some degree, sense and, and feel that. Um, certainly, you know, food is not plentiful. Uh, we are not necessarily at peace with one another or, or with ourselves. Uh, there is no direct line of communication to God. And, and there is death. Now, what death is uh, can be debated. We'll, we'll talk more about that as we go on. But uh, again, we would argue here in this war that uh, death is something that is beyond physical. Death is something that you can be while still a physical being. It's a, it's a state. Um, it is certainly something, it is the thing that our enemy is pursuing for us. Right? I mean, that's always what the enemy is, is pursuing, right? is its opponent's death. But we would argue that in this war, the death is something that uh, is final and very, very real in that it is something so final and so real that once you've achieved it, there is nothing left. That is the end of being itself. And this is the story. This is what we're up against. We're up against actual death. So, we need to understand um, that the Garden of Eden story is, is setting the parameters, it's setting the framework, it's setting what's at stake here. Again, there was a time, according to this story, that we were at one with being itself. We were at one with ourselves. We had true nature. And yet something happened to that. In the story, in the fable, it's that we ate from a particular, uh, from a tree, we, we, we ate, we, we went against God's commandment, the only one that at the time you really had, went, went against the order, went against the, the law. Um, 
and what we can say from that is, is regardless of what happened, whether it was you know a fruit or something else, uh, whatever was done brought us out of that harmony. Now, our, our argument here, the way that we would like to frame this, is not that we ate a fruit. It doesn't matter what we did. It's what changed in our consciousness. That's the real thing of it always, isn't it? Is that the consciousness of, of Adam and Eve was changed. Um, and the importance uh, of that is, is really just the, the parent, is paramount. So, What was that fruit? That's the question. What was that fruit? We would like to argue here that the fruit was something very real and it was not a fruit per se, but a concept. It was that which gave us the idea of That it was the seed of ideology that was planted in our brains, in our minds, in our consciousness. That is that is what changed. We became conceptualized. Now we'd have to go and look in and see what. How we tie this in, um, but uh, how we explain conceptualization from here, because there's there's a lot that we've already spoken about on the topic. Um, but concepts are the concepts changed our, our consciousness and conceptualization itself that's what drew us out of, of the garden 
as we stopped living harmoniously because of the ideas that we came to have. Ideas that were not necessarily the reality. Because we have to see that even just according to the story, um, what happened as soon as this all happened, as soon as the fruit was eaten, uh, Adam and Eve had what? Knowledge. It's the, the tree's name is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What does that knowledge look like in the human mind? It was too much for human consciousness. It became, it was a burden instantly. Too much to bear. So, When we talk about that garden, that garden was not so much a place as it was a state of being, as it was a state of consciousness where we were in harmony with everything. Because it doesn't, the physical state and um, almost every spiritual tradition says this over and over again. It's the physical state is not what's important. It's the spiritual state, it's the mental state, it's, the, it's your cognition, it's, it's what you feel. And what, again, you spiritually and consciously are aligned with. That's what the Garden of Eden was. It wasn't a place. It was a state of being. It was a, it was a state of consciousness. So, again, we, we have to look at... Because, I mean, you know, the state, the state I mean, you can be in paradise and you know if you don't if you're not in the right frame of mind what does the what does the actual physicality of, of the place have to do with anything and you, know, you can be in hell and with the right frame of mind you know it may as well be heaven you dictate your state you determine the relation the law the place that you're positioning within it. Yet, uh, something happened to Adam and Eve. And again, it wasn't that they got cast out of a place, it was that they got cast out of a state of mind, a consciousness, a level of being.
So. The garden. Being. A state. It. Was something. That. Was sustaining. That was something that was giving. That was so plentiful um, that uh, no one required anything from it. And, uh, there was a, a direct path and line of open communication between us and God and and if we look at Adam and Eve is not two people to bring this further but as humanity itself I think we begin to then see even all the more clearly that this was happening that, that took place on a massive scale. It was given one person may have eaten the fruit and then that was passed on. And then no harmony, no direct path, open line of communication to, to God. So What happened was that, again, our, our minds changed. We had knowledge all of a sudden. And, and why is knowledge viewed as something uh, bad in this you know, story. Well, it's not necessarily. It's the it's the way that we process the knowledge. It's the way that we had the knowledge. We discerned things, and although it spoke about Adam and Eve naming different things before. They did so because there were different things in the world, of course, but this now was dividing up things. And this division, seeing a division, a schism, where once there was harmony, it created further and further schisms. Less and less harmonious relationships. Um, the Garden of Eden as a, a, a state of consciousness really 
is something actually hopeful. Because it means that we can achieve it again. It means that there is a possibility of re-entering it. And that is what our war is about. It's about going back into that garden. Reachieving that harmony, that state, and most importantly of all, reconnecting with ourselves and reality. Because the Garden of Eden is almost like a a beautiful prison. And having been cast out of it, we could argue, has been a blessing that we have had to come back. It's something that we have to fight for and we have to, to work for. And like all things, that are worked for. We don't truly appreciate it unless, unless of course, we have worked for it. So, this is, this, this garden state, it is a place that is really within us because it's within our own minds, because it's within our own consciousness, because it is a particular relationality between ourselves and reality itself, and that Old Testament God, so to speak. We, we have a beautiful power. And, and that power is that our innate ability virtue, who we really are as, as people, as human beings, are those original humans. That originality uh, is really what drives and empowers, empowers us. Because we've, outside of the garden, come to know through conception 
Although, of course, conception is just the vehicle of, of knowledge. But this knowledge, uh, we will go on to show, again, is not necessarily evil It's or a bad thing per se. But the ways in which it has colored our minds uh, has become, has led to prejudice, to desire, to becoming, uh, to this want to, to become. It's brought us away from ourselves. It's, it's brought us out of that original being. This war is about reconnecting. Eden is within us. It is the concept, the way that we have processed the knowledge that, that has has taken us out. What we as a humanity swallowed when we ate that fruit was something that took us out of uh, the, the present, that took us out of the actual natural way, right? Um, you know, and why were we tempted? Why were we tempted? Well, what got us is the serpent said, God does not want you to be like it. All the power is here in this, in this, this fruit. God doesn't want you to have it because it doesn't want you to, to be like it. And of course we ate from it and gained knowledge which which is in our minds next to godliness. However, the irony is is that the kind of knowledge that we came away with is the polar opposite of godliness. It drives us away again from ourselves from real from reality. And if we're driven away from reality, we're driven away from this notion of a god and of course we will talk about how we need to expunge the word God from the language, but, but we wanted power. That's what this was about. And ironically, you know, our lives have been a struggle for power ever since.
is that we wanted it when we got it. But now we have to continually struggle to maintain power. To keep power, because if you don't have enough power, you will die. We have to create our own balance outside of the garden. There's no, there's no balance. Outside of that, or there's very little balance outside of that, which we create for ourselves outside of the garden. However, we might argue that we can attain that garden state basically any time so long as we reframe our own consciousness because again we ate from the tree not of of knowledge but of conception of idea um And the idea is not the reality, it's not the thing. Whereas God is the reality. The the field God set up is that Garden of Eden place. So, we need to acknowledge this and understand that our war is about bringing us back to this very place just a few more quick you know, kind of ancillary notes uh, you know outside of the garden we, we, we discern right uh, we measure be, because we see and we judge and we look at things now um, in relationship to us you know that's disharmony that is what disharmony is right we we it's it's a measuring of you know it's like uncle tone after he lost his sight he'd say you know that every thing was beautiful to him now because he he didn't have the eyes to see uh, or to know otherwise you know and that's sort of what this fallen state is. I mean, fallen as human beings, I mean, it, it's a place that, that makes us human. And it, it has and carries with it its own kind of beauty. Um, but we take it too far. Uh, we, there's too much measuring. There's no acceptance. There's judging. There's, again, discernment. Uh, uh, lots of values placed on certain things
And when you're in this accepting, harmonious state, there's no... That's what it is. It's acceptance itself, right? And again, the, when you want for nothing, well, nothing can, can motivate you. And not in a bad way. I mean, the, nothing can own you. You're incorruptible. When you have wants, all, all the sins are on the table. So again, this is where the, the power, the keys, are, are in our own selves and the way that we set up our own consciousness. Because when we have ideas of something, and I tell you, that is what desire and want is. It's it's that we have an idea about something. We wish that we were something else and wanting to become that thing or be in relationship with that particular entity or person or whatever it might be. Once we have that, we'll have enough. And then we can relax and then we can be. And then that's not where we exist, though. As human beings, we are fallen in a way, we are disconnected, we are disharmonious. And there is a certain beauty about that. There is a beauty in our faults. Again, it makes us human. And humanity is this glorious mess. But there's a way to be fully human and still live in the garden amongst and I, I don't like the word fallen it's too negative any other word would do how about no other words and see this is what conception's trap is is it wants you to label it wants you to to judge and to put values on And I think we should stop doing that. Mm. Humanity is something that in spite of its many flaws, the beautiful thing about it is that it is redeemable is that it does exist alongside that which is that larger, deeper, most beautiful presence. The concepts that we have conjured up, the ideas about things, again, the labeling, the judging, The analyzing. None of this happens in, in a harmonious state. Only when we are removed from reality, from verity.
So let's recap real quick. See if we can't get anything else out of the story. Very quickly. We are in the Garden of Eden. Humanity is in the Garden. Adam and Eve, which representing all of humanity, um, have a relationship they want for no, with, with all things, even with God. They want for nothing because of that relationship, because of the image that they were made, in which they were made. And they're tempted to become they're temp attempted they're tempted to become something as if what they were was was not enough so that temptation to become rather than to just be that was the first downfall, the first mistake. Instead of simple being, complicated becoming. Um, and through that attempt to become, they lost their harmony. From that loss of harmony, all these ideas sprang up about their own state of being. And those ideas gave way to a lot of difficulties. And there was no longer you know, that direct line of communication between God and, and its creation. It was cut off. And everything was affected by it. So our war is a battle back, back to Eden. But a battle back to Eden through the path that we've taken will deliver us as chiseled beings. It will deliver us as travelers. be the difference between indoor and outdoor cats. <laughs> the difference between the man who stayed in his hometown all of his life and the man who, who went around the world only to wind back up safe and at home. Not that he wasn't potentially worse for wear, but we're on the other side of the globe. We are as far away from Eden right now as, as we can possibly be. 
and again it's always it goes back all of it to this want to become this want to be God this want for power for knowledge and I'm not going to say if those things are good or if they're bad again those are value judgments our job here is to look at what is to look at how we got here to look at where we are the choice is ultimately yours as to the values and however I hope that after going through our battle here our war here you yourself will leave these judgments behind lest you be continually or continued to be locked out of the garden again it's, it's the tree of conception the tree of ideology if you swallow that, if you become, if you let that become a part of you and think about the symbology of eating, that you take something that is a part of you and you make it a part of you, you make it something that sustains you and propels you and again it becomes a part of your body. symbology of eating it is significant it's all significant right because we focused on far too focused on Where we're going, not where, and not where we are. Not who we are. What we want to become. And we will talk about that later on in later battles. But that is a theme throughout this war. Is that there we are no longer in step with that there is no longer being with there is only now a want a desire for coming to that is not being with for us, but a coming to, an attempt at becoming. And it is that attempt that gives us all of our difficulties. Again, let's remember, let's remember very well what the motivation was for Adam and Eve. They wanted to be like 
we can stop there. It doesn't even need to say they wanted to be like God. They wanted to become. This is the trap of conceptualization. The trap of our enemy. But again, the enemy is a conscious state. It's not a physical being. It's not a character. The enemy is a trick upon our minds. And our minds, our consciousness, of course, dictates our overall being and our, and we are the keepers of this planet. And we have paved over its beauty and its, its originality and its true nature. right here and it's our choice whether or not we wish to re-enter it or stay eternally locked forever outside only occasionally ever even thinking to peer in